Abba Yahweh, thank you for your grace and mercy for this new day, continually blessing me by allowing me to be the conduit to share and pour out your word, Father, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom. These words are not mine, Father God, but yours. You guide me and you allow me through the Holy Spirit to do this thing. Bless others so that I am blessed by doing your will, Father. I am about your business as I'm called, Father God. Thank you. Thank you for this day to encourage and uplift my brothers and sisters. And if an admonishment is there, and it applies that they would hear it and take it to heart and pray over this thing, Father. They that have an ear, let them hear. And the spiritual eyes to open the word and see your truth, knowledge, and wisdom. And to look around us in this world as you've told us. To see that all around us declare your might, majesty, and worship you, Father God as we should. Abba Yahweh, Amman. Yeshua, Amman. Parakritos, Amman. So, brothers and sisters, <clears throat> I shared with you um, a short bit ago a, a lesson that from one of my teachers, and, and uh, his lesson was on the... <laughs> and also the confirmation from my pastor at my church of the same thing is that the term or the word Christian has become so diluted. It's like a really good tea and then you just keep adding water and water and water and water and and uh, not even worried about adding warm water anymore. And then it becomes this very tepid drink, very tasteless, barely any flavor to it whatsoever. How does that apply to Christianity? Well, take a look at the world around and see that as it used to be when the term Christian was a much more powerful state and a much more presentable state of being that the princes and governors and kings they used to turn to the church for guidance and leadership and prayer. And now they don't. And you have those, some, that are declaring that they want to rewrite the Bible because it's not relevant. And I will not point my finger or mention the name of that, but it's been a newsworthy item that uh, media has re declared it and social media has repeated it and the self same the same individual is on there declaring that these lies that are going on um, is something that as a good Christian we should do and we should follow and we should obey well I have a problem there and that this is contrary to the word of God we must be to a point of obeyance to the law of the land. But if it is contrary to the teachings of the Bible and the word of God, we need to be in prayer. We need to seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. 
we need to not be confrontational. However, we can stand up boldly, do not step aside and compromise, and we need to make sure that we're in the word and do not be confrontational. It's disheartening to me to that I hear alleged Christians, uh, you know, when you talk about taking notes and and uh, meditating on, on God's word, they use terms such as, well, I don't journal or I don't take notes. I just listen. And <laughs> some of the time, and I, I pray past this and get by this. I don't even pay attention to them anymore. It used to bother me, actually, quite Try truthfully when I go to church and these alleged Christians and I, I use that term and I use it righteously and I use it with righteous indignation. Alleged Christians because as the message is going and they're using a cell phone or an iPad instead of the Bible and then the uh, pastor is trying to teach a lesson and then you you know, kind of glance over and see the screen change and they're into texting and they're doing other things in the midst of, instead of focusing and listening to what is coming from the pastor, the word and teaching out of the word of God, they're busy texting or taking care of business or doing something other than what they should be doing. Why didn't you just stay home? You could journal and text at home. You could uh, do your business at home. Why do you even come to church? And then you're going to do that in the midst of the word of God being given. But I had to get by that because then what was going on? I was being distracted from my focus on the word of God to that. So I had to pray through that and go. And now these folks take their electronics and many of them do. And as I've shared with you, I prefer the written word of God, the physical pages. I like the sound of the page. I like the feel of, of the pages turning and going through. But at the same time, it's just, um, I don't know. I <laughs> I guess it's a, an old school thing. But I, I find it disheartening that these uh, alleged Christians will use terms as, as I don't notate, I don't, I don't journal, I just listen. And so my thought goes to this and I pray for them though. I you know I'm not I'm not going to put them into a point where I'm going to be uh their judge and jury. That's not my job. But I hear these things and it's disheartening to me. So instead of judging them for whatever reason that their decision is, I pray for them. That they would be drawn back into the word of God and and feel that it's important enough that they write it down, they notate it, they take it. Um, and, you know, they they don't think that his uh, word is worthy of writing down or that the message is coming, uh, you know, might not be directly from a verse straight from the Bible. But see, this is one of the mysteries of God. One of the mysteries of God is that he doesn't, or, you know, part and parcel of many mysteries, the way God works. And you've heard the term, and I've used it myself. God works in mysterious ways. He may not send a direct verse from the Bible message to you, but he's using part of what the pastor is talking about and then 
you know, the little bell goes off up there at the doorway to the, the attic and it rings because now you realize it's something that's being said has to do with exactly what you've been dealing with either at work or at home. And that little bell rings and then you, wow, but there are those that won't write it down and they don't think about it. So what are you saying that God's word is not worthy of notating or noting or writing it down? And I've also heard alleged Christians say that they don't do meditation. And it's told us in the scriptures that we should meditate on God's word. We should meditate on his counsel and his commandments. And that we should meditate on these things. The mind is a very important uh, point of attack by the enemy. I've shared this with you before. This is why the helmet of salvation is very important. Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself, his blood, to wash us and cleanse us for the sins. However, it doesn't matter what the point of your intellect is, how high a degree of intellect you have, the mind is the weakest point of attack. The enemy, Satan, and his minions know that. And they know that because he directs them there. Why do you think these things come into our minds and trouble us so much and people talk about, you know, oh, I can't just shake that thought or I can't get it out of my head? Why? Because those little scorpions have come in there and the ends of their uh, pointy little tic-tac feet have, have sunk in and they're holding on tightly and they don't want to let go. And they're in there planting seeds of weeds, scattering those about there so that those come in and root themselves into the crop of fruit. And then they are allowed to grow up and they start to block our vision. Cut them down and burn them with a shaft. Pull those roots out. Get rid of them. Kick them out. Rebuke them. And get that helmet of salvation back on. Brothers and sisters, I say this to you to uh, lift you up, exhort you. And I myself am guilty of the, of the same at times. So I'm talking to myself and not just sitting here blathering on and pointing my finger out there. Of course, you can't see and I'm not doing it anyway. I'm kind of, I talk with my hands in motion. So, but you can't see that, but I'm just sharing. So I'm not pointing my finger because I find that I myself sometimes will get these things in my head and I can't shake them. But then I start to think about God and his mercy and his goodness and his greatness. And that chases all that other junk and all that other crap that gets piled up. It chases it away and, and throws it out that window into the junk heap. And then I go out and I burn it up. Brothers and sisters, that's what we need to do. We need to focus on it. But but there are alleged Christians that say, oh, I don't do meditation. Uh, but yet, in not meditating, they're deep in thought about some angst or issue that's going on at work. They're in there and then, you know, their their husband or their wife will ask them, you know, if it's a man, the wife will ask. And if it's a woman, the husband will ask, hey, darling, what's what's the matter? Oh, I just need downtime. I need alone time. I've got some things that are going out work and I just can't get this. I've got to sit and I've got to figure out how this is going to work out, how we have to do this, how we have to fix this. You know, they'll do that and they'll chase family away or they'll chase their spouse away. 
and they'll meditate on the trash that disturbs them greatly, but they won't meditate on the word of God. They won't do that. And like I said, it's disheartening because some of these folks are alleged Christians. They can meditate on the darkness and the corrupt things and the temporal things, but they can't meditate on the word of God. And that the Holy Spirit quite possibly will not deliver the answer to them. Excuse me. Abba Yahweh, I call him that for a reason. I call him Abba Yahweh, Abba, Father, more closely to Dad. It's a term of endearment that is used in Hebrew speech. And it's kind of an in-between between Father and Dad. You know, it's, it's a more endearing way to call him Father. And he doesn't mind that I call him Dad. My God does not matter that I call him dad. Whether you believe that or not, doesn't matter to me. I know what he tells me. And he likes it when we call him that because he sh what that does, brothers and sisters, that shows that we are, are trying to draw closer to him and that we love him as he first loved us. Remember in, in 1 John, he tells us that. We are able to love God and love others because he first loved us. That's what we need to be meditating on, not these deep angst that are going on. And, and you know, then we're, we, uh, you know, there are folks that'll be deep in that meditation. They won't take note or write down scriptures, but they'll deeply be thinking of something going on at work. Jump up and go write it down, taking notes to solution and all that. But yet they won't take notes other word, and when I sit here and I'm in my, I've got my little journal book is wide open and, and these things, where do you, how do you think I'm, you think all this stuff I'm speaking to you right now is coming out of my memory? I'm an old guy. I have to write stuff down. So at any rate, um, but they'll get up and they'll run in and they'll write things down for solutions to an issue that's going on at works. But, and they'll think on it for days and sometimes even weeks. But yet, they have a hard time taking notes or journaling from the Word of God or meditating on thoughts. Hmm. Not into meditation or taking notes or journaling. And then, if posed, the response is, oh, but that's different. How is it different? Note-taking, journaling, and meditating is the same whether it's over temporal or spiritual it is the same you're either doing it or you're not doing it so how is it different that somehow it's different if you're taking notes or meditating on the trash that's going on at work somehow it's different than meditating and taking notes and taking journaling uh, on things that are spiritual of God's word and the things that are truly important. Missing out completely on the verse or message that may be exactly what the situation is at work. 
or what it's about at home. Completely missing that point because they didn't write it down. They're just sitting there and then they get distracted because somebody from work sent them a text regarding the meeting that was just had. And, and they miss it. And so the question just keeps, you know, it floats around and comes back. It doesn't stay up there because I refuse to let it stay up there. It kind of floats around and disappears and then comes back. But, you know, it just, how is it different? That's what they respond. And how is it different? So I'm sharing some scripture in uh, Psalm 125. It's a, it's actually a song from, from David, <clears throat> as I shared with you before, King David, in my studying and going through his work, he was actually a um, a mentally troubled man. Not saying that he was deranged or unstable or anything like that, but as a king <clears throat> and as a surrounded kingdom, king of a kingdom that was surrounded by enemies and constantly constantly under barrage or under attack from the enemies, his mind was troubled and the enemy went in constantly and tried to uh, sow seeds, the weeds, even to King David and it, and it troubled him. However, his release, pretty awesome since we have the book of Psalms, um, he would write poems and songs to God, our Father worthy of all praise and glory. And he would do that. And psalms are songs or lyrical poems. And some may or may not know this, but David was actually an accomplished musician. And when Saul had troubled a troubled mind and troubled heart and he was in distress, David was actually employed as a uh, courtesan at one time playing his harp for Saul and would soothe his mind. None of his counselors could do it. None of his counselors could get through to him. But David came in and played music, played the harp, and it eased Saul's troubled mind. It put him at ease, and then he was able to go to sleep. So I share some of these things. I, I think they're very vital and very important in relationship in relationship to what I've shared with you. Um, so in Psalm one twenty five, it's called the Song of Degrees. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth evermore. Brothers and sisters, interruption there. Be not afraid nor dismayed, for I, thy Lord God, am with thee whithersoever thou goest. Here is just another way that's being told to us that God is always with us, always with us. For the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts, 
As for such as turn aside unto their crooked ways, the Lord shall lead them forth with the workers of iniquity. But peace shall be upon Israel. Okay, Israel being um, at that time the chosen people, but here's the thing, that we too are chosen people. And David is trying to admonish that that the people that are surrounded, as we are constantly surrounded all the time by those that uh, impose the temporal and the worldly ways on us, that we don't reach out and grab onto that uh, in a temptation to follow along with what they're doing. And that goes heartily along with the taking note, meditating on those things that are troubling outside and instead of going to the Lord God Almighty who is with us all the time and seeking guidance and an answer through the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> we reach out and we grab onto that that's temporal. So we need to not do that sort of thing. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I need to practice on that continually as well. Paul writes in his letters and nearly every single one that he wrote that we need to practice to study. We need to practice meditation. We need to practice the word. We need to practice, practice, practice. Brothers and sisters, it's not an automatic thing when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's not automatic, and we don't float across the top of the ground. When Jesus Christ came to be sacrificed and was crucified, he didn't float across the ground everywhere he went, and he didn't he didn't not stumble. I imagine, you know, you got to understand here, and this is what the point that a lot of people miss out on. Jesus Christ came, and many of his heavenly attributes were actually left behind. He could still discern hearts. He could still see things that had not been happened yet, but these things were delivered to him through Father God because God the Father was one with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is one with the Father. And he would deliver these things to Jesus. But Jesus Christ was a man. He stumbled once in a while. If he wouldn't watch where he was going, he would he would stumble, catch himself, not fall, I would imagine. Um, but he would could still stub his toe, and he was a craftsman and was caught up in doing good works for people and sharing good works in his time with other people. It wasn't constantly just walking around with the disciples and not helping people and just constantly with them, teaching them and all. When he went to the wedding, what, you think he was sitting over in the corner and just uh, not having, I mean, there were people that he knew that he grew up with there at the wedding. And what, that he just ignored them and sat back and quoted scripture and prophecy and things to them? That's not what Jesus was. Jesus was a man, but he was about being with people being human and in humanity. And he came for the purpose of that was that his sacrifice actually meant something. He came and he knew the humility of being a human being and being susceptible to things of human. And it increased, I believe, if that were possible. And I I don't think so. It is just kind of a... I think it was a metaphorical phrase that almost popped out to increase his compassion, but how could that possibly be increased that he stepped off the throne of heaven and came to the earth anyway to sacrifice himself and be put to death? 
and to increase his compassion, but just to, I think what that was for is to um, illustrate to us or those that were around him at that time when he was walking, the compassion. That sounds more logical and more practical that people were able to see more the compassion that Jesus Christ possessed in his heart because his heart was that of the Father God who so loved the world. That two-little-letter word is, is absolutely incredible. It demonstrates the, the depth, width, height, and, and scope of God's love. Two little letters so loved the world. How much that it cost him mightily and that his only begotten son stepped off the throne, set down his crown, and came here to be crucified. So, brothers and sisters, we need to be trusting in God and know that he is with us all the time, all the time through all things. And another that I'm going to share with you, and this is uh, Psalms 1, pardon me, 119, uh, 33, through 40. This is, uh, this is quite a long psalm. And uh, the, so David has broken it into uh, courses of the, of the song. Um, but this is, hey. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. So let me ask you a question here, dealing with taking notes and journaling and studying and and all these things. How do you suppose that David intended this if he wasn't thinking about what God had to tell him or meditating on it or possibly even writing down and taking notes? And excuse me, um, if we notate all these songs and the book of Psalms that David wrote down the guidance of the thoughts that were delivered to him through God's Holy Spirit, that, brothers and sisters, we are to do that very self-same thing. Observe it with my whole heart. Take note of these. And when we were in school, as children, middle school, college, if any of you went to any of those places, um, were you not supposed to take notes for certain things that were going on in class? And sometimes I remember in science class, um, composition class, our uh, journalism class, and sociology and political science classes, I remember that there were certain things that we had to take notes, and we had a, a notebook or a journal. And we were actually graded on our note-taking. So I know that there were times in school where that was important, so these alleged Christians that talk about not taking notes, oh, I'm not into that. Well, maybe they got overdone when they were in school. But brothers and sisters, let me explain something to you and make it very abundantly clear. We are still being instructed by our Lord God and this Bible, this book that he provided, that he wrote, There were he authored it. There were men and women that wrote these books down for him, but God authored the Bible. 
You better take notes and you better journalize because let me explain this to you as, as clear as I possibly can. God is worthy. Abba, Yahweh, Aman. Praiseworthy is what that word means. His notes, his book, his word is worthy of note-taking, journaling, and meditating on. So if you sit there and you say that you don't take notes or you're not into journaling and you're not into meditating, what you are really saying and the interpolation of that is that you don't consider God's word noteworthy or you don't consider God worthy of that. And I'm talking about the alleged Christians because let me share this further. Their actions denote or belie what their speech is. Because I have heard some of those same people turn right around and rail on their children and their spouse or the person that they're with. So that speaks loudly to me, brothers and sisters. If the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, don't get your knickers in a twist about it because just go right on by. This is for edification. This is for uplifting, encouragement, and admonishment if need be. And sometimes being admonished means that you get spoke to sternly. And if you can't deal with it, then get to the Holy Spirit, talk to God, and see what he's got to say. And I've shared with you before, try my spirit because I speak truth and I won't speak to you in a manner that is not allowed by God. I'm about my father's business. Period. God said it. I believe it. Period. Exclamation point. Continuing. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto, the test, unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. This is not about me, brothers and sisters. This is about the glory of God and the gospel of Abba Yahweh, my Father, God, maker of all things made, the ancient of days, the I am that I am. Jehovah, Adonai, El Shaddai, my Shalom. He is my peace. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Auspicious fear, brothers and sisters, is an okay thing. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me into thy righteousness. David is asking God to show him the way to teach him. This mighty king, this mighty king. And yet this mighty king was still troubled and had some things going on. In 119 in Lamed, verse 90, Thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth and it abideth. David's announcing that God created the earth and it's here because 
God allows it to stay. God's might, worthy of praise. He allows the earth to, it abides because he lets it. Because he lets it. And uh, I'm going to share here too. And um, let me flip back over to 119. Make sure I get this right, brothers and sisters. I don't want to lead y'all astray. So in uh, 105 through 107, in none. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it and I will keep thy righteous judgments. I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. Um, David afflicted is not talking about actual sickness or like this pandemic thing that they're perpetrating on the people of the world and that they're demonstrating and showing. What he's talking about is affliction, that things were coming in, his troubled minds, um, enemies, kings that were coming and, and all this. But he knows that God is in control. He knows that God will guide him and he knows that God will, will speak to him. And it says, I am afflicted very much. Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. So he's seeking the word of God for guidance. The Holy Spirit, except for then, they didn't understand that it was actually the Holy Spirit that God was sending and being with them. Um, you know, as I've shared with you before, there was a time that God actually came down when he did with Adam and Eve before the fall and that uh, he walked with them in the cool of the garden. They had no concern that they were naked. They didn't care. It was nothing about it that trouble them because it was a natural thing God made them so big deal there it wasn't until the fall when they ate of the fruit and were tempted by the demon serpent Satan and then everything became clear and they tried to hide from God of course God already knew the answer but he asked them anyway because that's the way God is he knows what we're about brothers and sisters but he likes us to communicate with him and talk to him he likes that so brothers and sisters I'm going to share with you too and this is I, I think a very important and vital thing and I think it's very cool. In the book of Psalms, 118, verse 8, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Brothers and sisters, that is the central verse of the Bible. If you count from Genesis and then you count backwards from the last chapter and verse in Revelation, you count backwards and uh, forwards in each one of these and come back here, you'll find that this is the center verse of the Bible. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. And its companion verse, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in the princes. Now, I find that very interesting, especially with what's going on around us in the world today, brothers and sisters. And I write this down because I journal. I do take notes. 
Even when I'm not in the service at church, I write stuff down. I find this very interesting because I've shared with you before that Bible speak of kings and princes. That's how they, the Bible describes now in the prophecies of presidents, governors, and mayors. They are called princes. Although there are countries that actually still have kings and princes, when they speak about kings and princes, they are talking about government. They are talking about presidents of countries. They are talking about governors of states and mayors that are based in charge of regions or cities. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. And brothers and sisters, that goes hand in hand in what I've been trying to share, been trying to share the truth. But as it was said by, um, I can't recall now if it was Plato or Socrates, I'm going to take a look and see. I got to... I apologize because I can't remember if it was Plato or Socrates. Ha, ah, it was Plato. No one is more hated than he who speaks the truth. Hmm. Interesting in that because I find that to be very so. People don't want to hear the truth. They want, they much prefer hearing of lies and people will sugarcoat things. They'll kind of dainty around the truth and they don't come openly and speak the truth and that people are more inclined to believe a lie than they are a truth. And then they want to point their finger at the truth speaker and call them liar, liar. Now just remember brothers and sisters that the Bible talks about when they shall call when the false teachers and the false doctrine will point their finger and they will call good evil and evil good. And they will call darkness, oh, it's not dark over here. And yet they stay in that to hide their wickedness and their evil. They won't come out into the open light and they won't even bother sharing truth. So brothers and sisters, the word of God is quite important. And then we have also in Psalm 112, a good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance and he shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. So brothers and sisters, I don't fear these things that are going on around. I'm not fearful of these things going around. Let me rephrase that. See, because fear is okay. And I have a certain amount of trepidation about these things that are going on around, but I'm not fearful of them. I don't let them drive my decisions. I don't let them drive my reactions. And I don't let them drive my steps, okay? Being fearful is ridiculous. And that is falling prey to what the devil is wanting to be done. I refuse. I follow my Lord God, his teaching, his guidance, his word. I'm afraid of things. And I fear mostly not for myself because I stay in the word of God. And I've read the things that are going on around us as 
in the prophecies that are coming out of the word of God and his truth, but my fear is mostly for others. 99.9% of the fear that I have is a fear for others because they don't want to listen to the truth, the truth, the truth, as it is spoken from individuals that know. And because many people don't really know me, they think they know me, but they don't know where I came from. They have no idea of the knowledge that I possess and the things that I can share and shed light on and those that I do in, with a certain degree of anonymity without disclosing certain things. And I try to share, but they don't want to buy in. They don't want to buy that. They'd rather buy the bill of goods that they're being sold by the lies and deceit. Driving fear. You have to understand too, brothers and sisters, and in conjunction with what's going on, and you look what's going on in other places in the world, you will see, and then you get back into the word of God. You take a look at Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Daniel, Jeremiah, Habakkuk, the book of Revelation, and you see with your spiritual eyes what's going on and hear with your spiritual eyes and hear the Lord speak if he's not telling you that he's getting ready. Share a little part and parcel and then continue on best I can. I don't want to get too verbose. But you look on what's going on over the Middle East and all that stuff that's going on over there, That all, the only blockade, the only blockade, the only blockade, I'll say it yet again, the only blockade that was there and a preventative and a kind of a uh, halting step, as you might call it, uh, were the bases that the United States used to have over in that area. So there was no issue with the, the Chinese or anybody else and being able to move down. But, you know, biblically speaking, this is all in prophecy. But being that things have taken the turn that they have and all those bases, all but just a couple of those bases have been shut down and moved and everybody pulled out. The puppet master is pulling the strings and the puppet is doing the dance. And you look back and you see if those kings and princes of Gog and Magog are not very pleased and happy and dancing. China is absolutely thrilled with the fact that now they have a complete open passage to get to where they wanted to be. Historically, you look back over and in the, the only passage that was really truly open was the uh, path through the Euphrates. But that was a terrible issue because of the Euphrates River. And some decades ago, the Chinese started building things that we in this part of the world are not aware of. They can actually shut the dam off, stop the water, and underneath the river, and they've been done so that when the river flows over, it looks as if it's just the river, but there are supported platforms so that vehicles can travel. Am I afraid of that? Eh, fearful, fearfully, no. Afraid? Eh, kind of. But it's the word of God that has already spoken and prophesied these things, so I'm not. I have a response to 
all of these things? Even so come, Lord Jesus, even so come. You are coming as a lion of the tribe of Judah. Am I fearful? No. Do I fear for my brothers and sisters? Absolutely. For my children and my grandchildren? Absolutely. For my earthly family? Absolutely. I pray all day, every day, my going out and my coming in. I pray for you all. And you all are my brothers and sisters. So I am in prayer. I am in prayer for all of these things. And I share with you here too that uh, we have some issues here going on. In Psalm 49, 6 through 15 speaks to that. They trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. None of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever. That he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die. Likewise, the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings. Like sheep they are laid in the grave, death shall feed on them, and this upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. What is that saying is that men are consumed with their vanity in themselves and their wealth. Brothers and sisters, we are called of God and all are to be mindful of his ways day and night. Is this not meditation? Just thinking on it. Meditation, you don't have to sit in a lotus position, which some people find comfortable. As a younger person, it was actually comfortable for me, but now I'm an old guy. I can barely kneel down. And when I sit down, it takes a great deal of effort for me to get back up. Actually, God helps me up, and it's it's a good thing. But, you know, that lotus position, not sitting down there and chanting a mantra, and, uh, you know, you got incense, and you got to pinch your, uh, pinch your uh, the, the middle finger and your thumb together and hold this little position, and then you, you chant. That's not meditation. That's only meditation under that... That religious, that ritualistic religious basis. But when you meditate, meditate. I sit and meditate sometimes in my recliner. And uh, some people will call it sleeping. I don't call it sleeping because I'm actually awake and I'm aware of things. But you just get in a quiet place where you're not going to be disturbed. Um, Things aren't going to disrupt the meditation and the thought process. And you just sit quietly and you focus and you think about God. And you think about the good things. And you think about his grace and his mercies. 
And that's what you meditate on. You think about his grace and mercy. Here's the thing. God's grace that we even have breath in the morning when we get up. And I thank God for my his grace because it is his breath in my lungs that continue my day. And his mercy allows me to continue drawing that breath through the course of the day. His grace gives it to me, his mercy allows it to continue. Because, brothers and sisters, if God was not a loving, graceful, merciful God, trust me in this, we would not be in existence. Because if he was not graceful, loving, and merciful, he would not continue our breath because we don't deserve to have what we have. So the grace of God is giving us what we don't deserve and the mercy of God is holding back what we absolutely do deserve. And that's not to exist on the face of this earth again and that we get up there and we stand in front of him and say, well, yeah, I I surely mess up, God. But those that are saved and salvation, believe in Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God and have faith in God and fearfully do God's business. Fear, auspicious fear. We don't have to be frightened of God, trembling every time we turn around and walk out the front door and look over our shoulder kind of up and back. Is God going to throw something at me from his throne? Is he going to throw a bolt of lightning down here and strike me dead? That kind of fear is not what's being spoken of in the Bible. Auspicious fear of God is actually a healthy thing. We know what God's capabilities are. We should know. I mean, for crying out loud, brothers and sisters, he created everything that we can see and things that we can't see. The maker of all things made. Yahweh. Sovereign God. Adonai. Sovereignty over everything. His grace that allows us to be here and his mercy to allow us to stay. He is worthy of praise and meditation on all these things. So importantly, we have in uh, I want to share another psalm here, and I almost passed this one up, but this is also important, I believe. I feel it is, so I'm going to share it. And this is uh, in Psalm 134. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, the Lord that made heaven and earth. Bless thee out of Zion. Zion being the seat or where God sits. And out of Mount Zion, that he blesses us by letting us continue. And then David said that we should be blessing him and worshiping him for that. And in Philippians 4, 4 through 15 is quite important. I'm not going to do the whole thing, but I'm going to. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful, anxious, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So 
He refreshes us. He keeps us so that we can rejoice in his goodness and that we are reminded of those things. We keep them in our minds. And to help us to do that, I mean, we can think about it and meditate on it. Do you think that's a good thing? That's meditation. You don't have to, like I said, no incense and repeating these mantras and it's things that uh, many do. So you put forth that effort in those things that he gives to us. And I'm going to share with you here in Colossians 3. And this is, these are the, what we should be focused on. If ye, if ye then be risen with Christ, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we say that, yes, he is the only begotten Son of God, and we have faith in God, then this is what we need to follow. This, these, this edict that has come from the throne of God, this uh, direction that he guides us. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. It tells us to mortify the members that are upon the earth of, of the things that we used to do. Talks about idolatry. And brothers and sisters, I'm going to leave that you read the rest of that because I don't, I, it's already too late. I'm already gone way into my verbosity. I can't, I can't help but to share this. But then it also speaks to this as we do that we have to do certain things. And, and I think this is an important one. Verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. And any man having a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, also do ye. So he's talking about the mind, the mindset. It's a very important to this, brothers and sisters, that we do this. And everything in our minds. And then I'm going to leave some scriptures with you to take a look at. And I think are important that you go to Exodus 3.14. 1 Corinthians 3.16. And Psalm 25.14. And this speaks to God's relationship to us. His proximity to us. And things that we should be very joyful for and of because he promises these. Brothers and sisters, I love you. Have a blessed day. I pray for you. My going out, my coming in as I always do.